Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And today we are joined by a man whose work I hugely admire. It's artist and illustrator Barry Masterson. Barry, welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Brilliant. It's great to have you on. Don't go shy on us now, Barry. You've been yapping away there off camera. So uh, listen, we'll, we, what we'll do is we're going to talk about your uh, illustrations and your work that you do on the League of Ireland at the end of the podcast. So anyone who wants to listen to Barry uh, or see his stuff, you'll be looking at it on YouTube at the end. We won't have it on the podcast for obvious reasons. Uh, you won't be able to see it. So we will do that at the end. So we might as well go, Nathan, straight into the weekend's action. And we had a huge Dublin derby because it's always a huge Dublin derby. Yeah, every week. Did yes. <laughs> did did this materialise into the game that we all wanted to see? It's I think it was a bit of a damning indictment towards the Bohemians team now at the minute, isn't it? The state that they're in. Like even you see Keith Long came out after the game, uh was talking about that he's, they're gonna need recruitments during the summer to, to bridge that gap between themselves and, and uh and Shamrock Rovers, it's, it's been obvious to see this season, hasn't it? Uh, like it's always going to be different with it, that when you talk about this Bottles team and how often that you lose key players uh, at the back end of a season. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's not good for them here. It's, it's always bad to be losing against a rival Shamrock Rovers. This is the, the Rovers have done the double over them now this season. The Andy Lyons goal in the fourth five minutes was uh, <laughs> I showed a stone as well. And uh, front right in front of the Jody stand too. I. I don't know about you, lads, but coming into this game, it's, it's literally that's what you're going to predict, wasn't it? It was a comfortable Shamrock Rovers win, just this sort of for Rovers to keep the pressure on Derry City in the title race just by looking at how Bowers been getting on this season. Yeah, I think it was when you look at the, the result that Bowes had against Shells, that's where the little bit of optimism was for Bowes. But if you were to look at the season so far, you you wouldn't have given them a, a chance in hell, really. And that's kind of the way it materialised. It doesn't help when you stick in OGs like, uh, that, that yeah. were put in. Uh, Barry, did you get to watch that game or were you watching your beloved Longford? No, they actually played Saturday, didn't they? So you were all right. You should yeah, have watched it. I'm on, I'm on Saturday. <laughs> no, I just, I just seen the highlights. I guess. What, what else do you expect, really? They're, they're playing against half of their own former players, which probably hurts the most. Andy scoring especially. Uh, but yeah, both Bo are kind of doing exactly what I expected them this season. You know, they, they've lost the entire spine of their team. And Rovers have probably gotten better. They're getting better as the season goes on as well. They started very slowly. So no, no surprises. It's kind of like both have UCD next. If they win that, they're, they're still hanging on. If they come fourth, it's best case scenario, really. Yeah, I think you're going to get good, really good results and really bad results when yeah. it comes to bowls this season, yeah. and that's going to be their season. Um, Nathan, Derry absolutely hammered UCD. It's a, it, again, as Barry said, you're expecting certain results. You expected this result, but you didn't really expect the scoreline. Like a strange difference that a, a week makes for UCD. You think uh, the, 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 the game before, the, the Derry City game, the Hell St. Pats, uh, the Pats beat them uh, 2-1, in the in, in the the Belfield uh, bowl, 
and just about like they, they or UCD were excellent in that game against St. Pat's and they really made them work hard for it. And they come out here to a clinical Derry City side like Jamie McGonagall again, uh, popping up with a hat trick. He's been absolutely brilliant this season. I suppose the, the, the thing coming out of this game, the, one of the talking points that I've seen being used now, and I want to throw it into, into here, lads. People questioning UCD's standing within the league, which for me, I think is ridiculous. If you look at the history of UCD and the players that they pumped into the league consistently since their inception, since he came into the league, it's there's no question that Derry City, or Derry City that UCD do have that place um, in the League of Ireland and in the Premier Division. So I don't know, how do you feel about that one? Do you, do you think UCD have a, have a belonging here in the Premier Division? Where do you shoot there? Go on, so... Uh... I, I heard Tony O'Donoghue saying they should, should be thrown out of the league the last day. A disgrace, Tony. <laughs> did Tony O'Donoghue did say that? I, I, I didn't yeah, want to try him as a bus That's who I saw dancing around. Oh, no. Get <laughs> that there. I didn't hear that. He, he wasn't saying they should be thrown out, but basically that, you know, we should, we should expect to hold a higher standard and that a, a student team shouldn't be in the league. I, I disagree, yeah. personally, because there is so many good players called you know, have come come through UCD into the league. The fact that there is a you know a, the opportunity to do a degree for pursue education while playing football, I think, is really important. They do struggle every now and again when they're in the Premier Division, but the fact they got there is everyone else's fault. You can't really complain that they're in the league because Waterford lost to them and they got into the playoffs. You know, if 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 they're not good enough, they won't be there, and they are good enough, so they're there. You know. And that's it. and I so, think it's a uh, yeah. it's a bit unfair because what happens then is is that UCD then after a successful season they they get their players picked off them yeah. and and under mm-hmm. under a shadow of their former selves sometimes and they go into this Premier yeah. Division and we've seen that happen many times before. Now I think I think Tony's a bit off the the case there. Listen, <laughs> in an in an ideal world, you know, all the top teams are all professional and etc yeah. etc and they're all earning nice money and there's great crowds and you know we've got amazing stadiums but at the moment we are where we are and and, and UCD are a, a, a valuable commodity to the league because as you said they, they create these players they give the people opportunity it's a it's a pathway through to playing football and some of these players may not be looking at football as a career and all of a sudden it does change around for them because uh, they're getting their opportunity to play League of Ireland football so um, I'm I'm not with Tony on that one there. Nathan, what about a roundup just of the rest of the Premier Division uh, results and maybe the standings, really? Yeah, um, do you know what? We'll jump on to the Saturday, Roy, because Sligo Rovers uh, beat Rotterdam 3-2 in what was an extremely entertaining game, I have to say. Uh, there were two David Carley goals in the first three minutes. There was two. It was a missed penalty in either side. Uh, Evan Weir got sent off from Rotterdam. And then to top it all off, Gary Buckley popped up with a 93rd minute header to uh, give Sligo Rovers the leads. Uh, something that they need, Sligo have been struggling over, over the past couple of weeks. But even though they lost, this is a, th- that's a decent draw to the side that we have there. They got off to a, a, a difficult start to the season. I've, I was going to say that Evan Weir has been brilliant for them this season, which he has been, even though he's the man that <laughs> they got that seen red uh, through this game. But they're going to be in that tight little cluster, you know, with themselves. With Shells, Sligo, Dundalk, uh, these sort of teams that are going to be in there, a little closer mid-table. Uh, probably not Dundalk, really. they might be more challenging for Europe, but they might be down there. Uh, a big one as well, we're seeing Ryan Brennan uh, returning to the start, starting eleven, who he arrived in Shelbourne in the off-season and was really struggling with injury. So to have him back in, into the team and scoring goals and playing consistently, he's going to be a huge keeper going forward. 
Yeah. With uh, Sligo, Nathan, last week we were talking about the the fact that they're, they can't get the players that some of the teams in Dublin can, but that soon goes away when they get a few wins under their belt. And it only seems to come out when there's a, a defeat or two. This is what we were talking about last week. I, I always think that's an absolute rubbish statement to make Like with, with any side. like Again, going back to Sligo, you look at when Mick Cook was there and Ian Barrowclough was there, there was a whole host of, of Dublin players within that team. And while you could talk about, you know, young lads want to like, live in a major city or, or whatever it may be, but at the end of the day, if your club is attracting European games, if it's winning league titles and challenge for cups, lads from whatever part of the country are going to go to your club and want to play football. So it's to make a club attractive to these players and it and entice them down more so than anything else. Now, before I go on to Barry Nathan, just to finish off, looking at the league table there now, it's really the way we thought it would be. It's shaping up to nearly every position where you would have thought that the, the teams would be. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's been it's fairly predictable. It's starting to take shape now. At the start, there's a couple of odd results showing around. I don't know if you're, if you're looking there. Personally, going to what I was saying at the start of the season, I thought Shelbourne would have been a little bit further at the table just with the, uh, the, the bit of quality that, that he added to the squad. I don't know, with the struggling there. The, uh, beating 2-1 against Dundalk on, on Friday night. Damien Duff actually uh, was joining the Ollie Hogg and get sent off club. So uh, that's his first red card in the League of Ireland. I'm sure it won't be his last by the amount of managers we see get sent off. But yeah, if I'm looking at an underwhelming team within the, the Premier Division standings, I don't know about you lads, but I would throw Shelbourne into the mix there. They're just hovering in a position. Um, while they're, they wouldn't be too nervous if Finn Harps in nine place at the moment, they're still they're in the round that, that uh, drops on. Is third from bottom, Barry, is third from bottom the position that Shelbourne would be looking at to make sure that they at least got? That's the minimum because you don't want to be in the, the relegation zone. You don't want to be in the playoff zone. It's their first season. They're building. I mean, there's only a, a matter of a, a three points away from moving up a place or two. So they're, they're not miles off, but surely just staying up in the division is the key. Yeah, before we get to that, as a, as a man from the North Longford countryside, Sligo is a metropolis. I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a town, it's not a city. It. Sligo city. <laughs> sure, it's got a cathedral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in terms of Shelburne, I don't know. I think they're doing okay. I didn't expect much more. Like you were saying, the league has kind of taken shape. I think everyone knew is going to be there in Shamrock Rovers, first and second. Pat's kind of signed some players, lost some players, will lose James Abankwa. Longford's James Abankwa, I must say. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, <laughs> he'll be our future Ireland international, even though he never played for us. Uh, yeah, Pat, Pat's, Pat's Derry, I think Shamrock Rovers top three, but Pat's are probably going to be fighting for third or fourth. And then the, the middle, it's, could be any I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah, so there's there's not much between Sligo and Dundalk. Yeah, it's yeah. a slight you'd expect Sligo to come forth because they're the most settled of those squads. And you know, but if any of them come forth, I think they'll be happy with the season no matter what happens below that. Yeah, re- really draw the draw the Shelburne Finn Harps what I thought were going to be fighting over the playoff spot. Yeah, and absolutely. We're always going to go down really. Um, so I think if, if any of them come in any of those positions, you wouldn't be surprised, you know. Yeah, um, I think we're all looking forward to a 
a title finish, a tight title finish towards yeah. the end, and it looks like it's going to be that. And, and the league definitely. I mean, I'm enjoying that. the Damien Duff drama as well. You know, that's yes, good. That's good that's for the league. Good. That's good yeah, for yeah, that's great. Now, I don't think it's going to be a critical way like people are keep saying. I, I definitely don't see that coming. If anything, he's too stubborn for that now. there's no way he's just going to walk away (laughs) well he can't I don't think he can because it wouldn't do him any favours in the long run so I think he has to stick I I enjoy it I I think I respect it because you know he he doesn't need this hassle but he's decided to do it and we have an awful lot of you know incredibly famous former players who are who are not kind of here working and actually trying to make a difference and I'm very much here to see it I applaud that you know (laughs) Right, as I said, I'm going to stick with you, Barry, because we're going to talk about the first division. I'm not even going to talk, ask you about Longford because I know it'll probably come into the conversation anyhow. Just sure. give us a run down on your thoughts on what way the first division is shaping up. Uh, much like the Premier Division, I think Barr Waterford maybe not doing quite as well as everyone expected. It's it's pretty much you know, what we thought. Galway, Cork and, and Waterford are full-time and... If any of them came below top three, you'd be very surprised. I didn't really have a favourite for who was going to win because the league is so up and down and there's a lot of draws. There's a lot of teams just out to kill you and get a draw. So <laughs> you, see, you see a lot of that happening every week. I've, I've watched us play. Well, I've watched us play most of the teams pretty much at this stage. And, and a, a lot of it has been a war of attrition, not a football match, you know. So, Were Cork a surprise? Definitely better than I thought they'd be after we, we drew nil all. It was our first game because we missed the first two weeks, so it wasn't it wasn't a great match. And I think they had a couple of injuries. Dylan McGlade was injured that match too, so they struggled to create things. You know, they were still they were still building. So I think they've improved since. And yeah, I I think of the three, they were the ones I thought would come third, not not to be top at this stage anyway. So I think they're doing quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely makes for an interesting read because mm. you've got the likes of Bray and Waterford slightly struggling where you would have thought that they definitely Waterford you would have thought would be up there now um, and Bray you would have thought they would have been up a lot further so they're the two yeah. probably that surprised me not so much Treaty Treaty mid-table they're kind of consolidating sometimes you get the buzz of the first year and then after that then mm. it gets a little bit harder so I'm not too surprised there Nathan um you look at Cove in a usual position, I suppose, yeah. Athlone in their usual position bar last year, Wexford, who are actually probably doing better than they've ever done. But we had that talk last week with Brian O'Sullivan, who mentioned, you know, the budget and all, and they've been given a little bit extra. So it's amazing that that little bit of money does go a long way. When you look at the rest of them, Nathan, and when you look at Galway, do you think just because of the money that's behind Galway, is is that going to be telling at the end of the season? I think it, it could, boy, especially with the, the the summer recruitment window going to open up. You'd imagine that Galway will spend a bit of cash and try and improve because Cork City look absolutely excellent this season and they really do look like the team to be. Um, like Barry was saying, you had the three full-time clubs. It could have been either one of them really and what would have been really disappointing. Do you know what? I'm gonna gonna help Barry out a little bit and shine up Longford, because uh, I know we we I, I the same anytime Pat's around it's a mention I'm going to jump in. Uh, I suppose Barry, you're the man to ask. You would have seen more first division football than myself and Roy. I'm getting the impression by what is seen is that the, the overall standard of play within the league this season is, is absolutely atrocious to watch. It's, it's a lot of it's gone back to to long ball football. I think that's one of the reasons that was cited with Ian Morris um, leaving his post at Waterford. 
But I watched Longford play Cove Ramblers a couple of weeks ago, and I thought Longford were absolutely excellent on the day in terms of ball attention, playing up in the back, very calm in the middle. The two lads in midfield, Darren Craven and uh, Dean McMenemy, I think, I think that's the, the, the lads, yeah. the two of them were absolutely deep. You ran the show in the midfield. Would you agree with that assessment? Do you think Longford's uh, are the most attractive teams to be looking at in the fourth division this season? We're, we're trying to sneak in and be dark horses and win the playoffs and tell no one. That way. <laughs> I hope no uh, one knows. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, we, we started slow and I think we all had low expectations because we lost a lot of players at the end of the season. You know, Dean Williams and Dylan Grimes went to Rada. There was all of our few goals gone. Rob, <laughs> Rob Manley went to, went to Bray and even Joe went to Wexford and, you know, a few others came in and out. So the team was quite, quite new and quite young. We brought a few guys from Bray with us. A lot of the Bray fans were very upset about the players we signed. Apparently, we took a lot of their better players and they just replaced everybody with Cabo players. So when we, <laughs> when we played Bray at the start of the season, honestly, the worst game of football I've ever seen in my life. It was shocking. <laughs> Both teams, both teams have improved, and I think it's the entire league has improved slowly as the season has gone on. Because I think there was a lot of changes in a lot of teams, and the pitches were bad because we had all those storms at the start of the season. So I think the the next round, I'm hopeful, will be better. In terms of of Longford, yeah, pleasantly surprised. I think everyone is pleasantly surprised. Dean McMenemy, we have him on loan from Shamrock Rovers, is way too good for the first division already. He's brilliant. He's, that he's only yeah. twenty nine. You can you can tell you know you know he's he's way too good because we we lost Zambra and Aid Irvin's gone to Shelburne and that was our, our starting midfield for the last three or four years gone and no disrespect to the lads but you do not notice them gone at all our, Aaron Robinson as well who we signed maybe two seasons ago he came from non-league and he played his first season in the Premier Division which is a big step up but he's finding his feet now I think he he's doing quite well. Um, Got other, other young players. We have a young left-back, Ben Lynch, who only played four or five times before this season, I'd say, and he started every game, and he's doing really well. New goalkeeper, we'll shout out to Luke Dennison, who's been our yeah. sub-goalkeeper for the last three years. And he had, a, he had a shaky enough start, but he was really good against Treaty, especially. He's getting much better. Should have got sent off earlier on in the season for <laughs> one of the clearest handballs you'll ever see, and the ref missed it somehow, but we'll take it. Uh, but uh, all in all, yeah, they're doing well. I wrote down a wrote down a random list of things here. Can I throw one out here, Barry? Um, I, I, looking at the Longford side last season, and you probably agree. I don't know if you will, but I thought Arno Driscoll at the back was head and shoulders yeah. the best player for Longford that year. He's missing him yeah, at all at the back. You know, he's another one that went off the shell bone as well. We, the, we were very bad at the start of the season. Very bad defensively. You you should, if you can, go back and watch the Bray game that we lost. We should have been five nil up. Not even joking. After about thirty minutes, and managed to lose two one. You didn't sell it, so I don't shocking. think we'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think I'll go up with yeah the synopsis that you gave there in famous. Well, uh, we got sweet revenge last week in a ninety third or fourth minute winner. It was it was good times, but yeah, very solid in defence now. I will I will say about Gary Foden. When he, when he was managing Bray and the season we went up in the playoffs, I thought Bray were the best team in the league. Uh, when we played, they bullied Longford and were way better than us every single match and draw how they managed to win the league. And you can you can tell he knows how to set up a team. He's a good coach. You know, we've, we've improved week on week, I feel like. So 
I still I'm keeping my expectations low so I don't get disappointed. That's just a rule for life, I think. <laughs> we're we're probably going to come forward, maybe third. And any more than that is a bonus, I think. But you know, I think it will we will come together in the playoffs and then anything can happen, you know. That's that's what I'm looking at. We we do play Cork and Galway in the next few weeks, and that will say a lot about what's what's going to happen for the rest of the season, you know. I think so. And and the fact that you're chasing after games just to try and catch up on them yeah. isn't doesn't give the real reflection of, of where you are. So it'll be interesting to see how you do against Cork and, and Galway. They'll be they'll be real interesting games. Right, we're going to move on from the first division. And I wanted to just quickly talk about uh, Gareth Penrose wrote an article uh, for extratime.com the 2022 League of Ireland attendances, the story so far. And it's a really positive one. When you look at the uh, Premier Division, it talks about delving deeper into the overall figure of 129,520 fans in the Premier Division. It's an increase of 12% on 2019, 20% on 2018, 38% on 2017. The average gate has gone up from 2,579 to 2,878, which is a great sign. But it says the first division, largely due to Cork, Galway and Waterford, uh, has really jumped. And uh, first division venues for 2022 is up 99% on 2019. Nathan, this is what we had talked about at the start of the season. It's the bounce off COVID. Everything seems to be, people want to get out, they want to do things, they want to see uh, football games now instead of you know watching them on television people are trying to get out as much so that COVID has been brilliant for the League of Ireland as far as I'm concerned uh, this is great and, and, and positive news isn't it yeah like I said we've seen the early signs last year uh, when Bohemians went on that European run in the Aviva they were attracting great crowds with limited capacity the FAI Cup final between Pats and Bowes was, was excellent crowd of 40,000 plus showed up to that game so yeah we've just seen the knock on effect of that which is great to see because one thing with the crowd coming in we've seen lows over the past couple of weeks lads of you know trouble at games and that becoming an issue and, and that's always going to take uh, front and centre of mainstream uh, media coverage as well so yeah to, to hear tidbits like that it's brilliant to see because it can only benefit the league going forward when you get more people through the turnstiles yeah and I'm just looking at Pats in 2016 their average gate was 957 yeah. and this year it's 3,815 that is just massive isn't it's it no, and, isn't? and I only said that because I know you're a fat Pats fan but Every other team, Shelbourne, 583 to 3,300. Dundalk, in fact, Dundalk are probably the most level. They've gone from 2,7 to 2,9. Shamrock Rovers have gone from 2,041 to 5,318. It's absolutely brilliant to see. And we'll go down. I can't leave out uh, Longford now, I suppose. So we'll try and look for Longford. Longford. What would, you, what would you reckon Longford? Longford in 2016, 488. They say now it's 532. Where is the support, uh, Barry? What's going on? Actually, we found about 60 people down the back of the couch there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, surprised, though. Like Longford, you would think that Longford would have, uh, a, a, when I'm saying a decent support, I'm talking about, you know, a solid 1,500 every week. You know, it, yeah. it looks like, it, I mean, it has everything that's around, as in, 
you're Longford, you own Longford. So you would think that the, the people who play football in Longford would be supporting them. We had this discussion about Athlone Town that mm. we don't see that cohesion between the local clubs and the the League of Ireland and the pathway through it. There doesn't seem to be that connection. I thought that there was that in Longford. You might be able to share any of your insight into that. It's a, it's a complicated one. I think, honestly, even when we were good in the mid noughties, the average attendance was probably 1,200 to 1,500 on big days. Right. Now you'd get a full house. I, I vividly remember winning the League Cup against Bowes and it was 5,000 at the game. And I think we beat Derry 3-0 the next week and it was about 600 out. So <laughs> there's that kind of attitude. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's very much a GAA county. Gaelic is all that matters. And you have to be doing well consistently to get crowds. And when you are, people will support you. I think another issue is the ground is outside of the town, so you can't just walk up to the ground. You have to drive. And that, okay. you know, that can just put people off. It's kind of a hassle. I think we're one of the clubs who struggled when the season changed from winter football. For whatever reason, a lot of the countryside teams actually got better crowds in the winter. I don't know, is everyone out playing Gaelic and the likes now, you know, and there's there's a lot more clashes with training and things like that. I think that kind of that might might affect it a little bit. Other than that, yeah, anything anything in the five or six hundred range is considered okay, I would say. Okay. All right. Okay. If, so if we got so there's to, a lot of work for that club to do to, you know, yeah. push themselves forward. Because when you look at the league as a whole, there's a lot more talk about turning professional even the, the attitudes yeah. of the clubs being professional and if they ever want to go professional then you're going to have to get the crowds in the support in to you know to, to get the money through the gates to get the, the merchandise sold you know etc etc so is it that Longford have to start from the grassroots up and try and amalgamate or uh, have pathways and links with local clubs around and, and try and get more and more, uh, include t- clubs in. Like, I, I don't know what way it is. I know with Shamrock Rovers, they will uh, give out tickets to the, the clubs who are affiliated to them and they'll bring over all the kids and all. And that's a, a way of enticing fans to start loving the, the club, I suppose. Uh, is yeah. there anything like that? Do you ever see anything like that down in Longford? I think it's, as I, as I said, because it's a predominantly GA county, you're, all, you're always fighting an uphill battle in that respect. But um, as far as I know, the club have started to to try and build proper links with underage clubs. At least they have one with Melview now, yeah. who uh, would be the, the junior club that James Abankwa and Aid Irvin come from. So I think they have a kind of a, a link up now. I do know that there there is, you know, they, they try and get kids teams in to watch matches and play at halftime and all that sort of crack. But we definitely need to try and, I guess, it's important for all the clubs to strengthen your underage and this takes volunteers and coaching and resources and this is an issue especially for somewhere like Longford. Like I think the county's population is only just under 40,000. Maybe the town itself is only 10,000. You know, it's it, you, it's probably the third or fourth smallest county in the country. You know, there's much bigger counties that don't even have League of Ireland teams. So in a, in a way we were spoiled in the noughties. It probably lifted the profile of the club way beyond what we ever expected was possible and then to reach that is is difficult to get back there especially because so many of the other clubs have taken massive steps forward and you know that's that's good you you need 
clubs like Rovers or things Dundalk have done over the last 10 years or what Bowls are doing now or you know you see the fundraising at Sligo or even Finn Harps just fighting against the tide every single year and the amount of work that goes into to do what they do you know so there's I think the the competition is getting tougher it's a lot harder to to tread water now and actually stay relevant you know there's also just so much more happening in the world but I, I do think the the league is you know for want of a better word it's kind of cooler now social media has definitely helped expose the league to more people kids are a lot more interested in it now i think i i'm too too much of an old man to use tiktok but i know a lot of the clubs are very big on tiktok now with teenagers and stuff and i'm sure i'm sure the kids that are playing underage and stuff all love that you know when they go with their friends and i do think the the league itself the players are getting younger the managers are getting younger i think the supporters are as well so we're probably at the start of something you know it might take a few more years for us to really see the difference it's the same with you know a lot of clubs got infrastructure funding this year and hopefully that'll grow and improve over the next few years yeah. maybe we won't be having these conversations in a decade you know if we just need to stay the course and keep doing what we're doing and you've only yeah. got the 40,000 40, in the county. That seems quite low. So I don't know what you're doing. There must be something good going on down there. But I think you might have to do a Pat Mustard or something and start visiting a few people and trying to repopulate that, that place. Because uh, 40,000 is quite low. Yeah, and uh, that's a struggle. I mean, yeah. I, li- I live in Lucan in Dublin and we have close to 60,000, you know. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah. He's like it's, rabbits it's, in Lucan, I'm just... <laughs> no, so the tellies go off at nine, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi gets switched off at the council. <laughs> Um, okay, that's good insight into that. We have two houses. If anyone would want to move here, oh, that's right. They all left. That's right. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. they all left. They thought it was a good idea and then left and came back. That's right. Um, okay, yeah, no, that's good. It's a good insight into it. And I, I just think that they need. They'll have to do something because if if the progress. The way it's going at the moment, and and you look at the likes of Derry City, you look at the likes of Galway, who are getting uh, funded, obviously, you know, Dundalk Mm. were for a while. They they, all these clubs need to start building their infrastructure. I know that's what, uh, as you said, likes of Finn Harps are doing now as well. Longford are going to have to make sure that they don't get lost and 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 drop back even further because. um, it's such a nice little stadium there and as you said there's, there's there's a good there's a good few people there that you know who are really passionate about the club so it's it's a good basis to to build on okay now we're going to go on to the next one Ireland cerebral palsy squad are heading off to the World Cup in Spain this week uh you want to give a shout out Nathan to the lads yeah, we'll keep it brief, right? Because um, anyone listening, we're going to have an interview with one of the key players, Dylan Sheridan. Uh, he's going to be popping up in the channel over the next uh, couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, couple of days. Uh, sorry, so there you go, Roy. Thought we getting away at more there, having a few weeks to, to edit that video. <laughs> uh, back to work, mate, back to work. So yeah, look, we do give it a quick one. The lads are being drawn into Group B. They'll be playing uh, Brazil and Germany and Thailand, with Germany and Thailand both making their uh, World Cup debuts in this competition. Uh, they'll be playing Germany on Monday the 2nd of May, then they'll be playing Thailand on Wednesday the 4th of May, and then they have a big clash against uh, one of their old enemies that was being told, uh, Brazil, and that's going to take place on Friday the 6th of May. Uh, these games will take place in Seville in Spain, like Roy was saying. Check out the FBI's social media platforms. They'll keep us updated on scorelines and how the lads are getting on. Uh, yeah, really good chat with Dylan earlier. Uh, funny enough, actually, lit one for you, lads. Dylan is the only ever Irish man to come back from a World Cup tournament with the Golden Boot Award. He was the Golden Boot winner 
uh, in the 2017 World Cup in Argentina. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that one. And best of luck to the lads. I did not know that stat until I read it uh, when you told me you were doing the interview. So that's yeah, uh, yeah that, that's a, it's a special one. He'd always keep that close to him. Okay, uh, and also Nathan, you wanted to talk about Stephen Ward because he's uh, decided to hang up the boots. He did, yeah, twenty six. Um, he's been a really good servant, hasn't he? Uh, to the Ireland squad, fifty senior caps. We've seen him play in uh, Euro twenty twelve, the disaster that was Euro twenty twelve, and uh, the better tournament of Euro two thousand and sixteen. The reason why I wanted to give it a shout out, Roy, Stephen Ward, former League of Ireland man, made his start, his professional start for Bohemians, made 74 league appearances, made his debut against Scary Town um, in the FAI Cup in 2003, I scored twice, so nice old debut, played for the likes of Wolves, uh, Lawrence Barrett, Brighton, Burnley, Stoke, Imswich, and finished up at Warsaw. Um, Won championships with likes of Wolves in the 08-09 season and Burnley in uh, the 15-16 season. And who can forget, won the Nations Cup, won the big one for Ireland <laughs> in 2011. Uh, is, is there anything, even, look, we, we stick with Stephen for a minute. Any memories come to mind of Stephen Ward, you know, whether that be in an Ireland jersey or a, a club jersey. Any Stephen Ward memories let's start that popping up? None. No. He was a striker, wasn't he? I remember that much. He might as well be because he became a left back. I think he was a striker at Bulls or he played left wing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think so. Because uh, he showed that the one thing I remember was um, from this is when he played with Burnley now, so completely off topic to League of Ireland. Uh, he scored in a 3 2 away win against Chelsea on the opening day of one of the seasons. I think could have been 17 8. I think it could have been the 17 18 season. He scored an absolute blinder in Stamford Bridge uh, for Burnley. So uh, that's the one that popped into mind for me now. Um, I can't. I, I wouldn't say there was much social media coverage of his two goals against Scary oh. Town in the thousand experience. Um, but all you listen, you you remember players in in the future, another 10, 20 years. In the back of your mind, you won't remember too many moments, uh, and if they are moments, they're special moments. Uh, I mean, if you remember Ray Houghton, you'll remember those big moments, but you won't remember how he played against Lithuania in two thousand, you know, the year two thousand or anything like that. You know, so there, I think Stephen Ward is one of those professional players that, when he was playing for Ireland, was solid, generally all the time, uh, seven out of ten, and he would very rarely go one. Uh, less or, or, or one above that but you you knew that you were going to get uh, a solid performance from it and you can rely on him and I don't think you can ask more from uh, a player a professional player that someone that you can rely on and I think he was a good servant for all those clubs that he was with and I think he was a good servant for the, the country and it's great to see that someone from the League of Ireland went on to have that kind of career it was a big move at the time as well, wasn't it? When he went yeah. to Wolves, I think he went for uh, £100,000 uh, at the time. So, yeah, that would have been one of the earlier big moves that was made across the water. Yeah, I might I might have given Ray Houghton an extra couple of years on his career there by saying 2000. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll forget that one. Um, okay, Nate, we'll, we'll talk about the fans' question. So you have a, a fans' question today. Yeah, we do, but do you mind if we just, uh, before we do that, we just want to mention the, uh, the, the, the sad and extremely tragic passing of uh, former Limerick goalkeeper Freddie Hall, uh, the news breaking over the last day. Um, it would have been part of that Limerick side that won the first division uh, in 2016, spent uh, 
spent a good three years with Limerick, play, made 41 league appearances. I actually thought he'd made more, uh, just when I was looking up at that. But look, football to one side, you know, like you made 10 senior caps with Bermuda, but that doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. Um, Barry, you were saying off camera that you would have lived in Limerick at the time when, when Freddie was playing there and excellent goalkeeper and well-regarded person. And yeah, it, it's always, it's horrible to hear news like this, especially a man of Freddie's, he's only 37, like, and yeah, it was really just tragic to hear that news breaking uh, last night when I seen it. So we'll uh, make a smooth transition onto the fan questions. Uh, this week's one was sent in by Kevin Sheridan, which we really appreciate. The well was getting very dry. So if anybody wants to be like Kevin and has a has a question for us about Irish football, get them into us at the big kickoff. We really appreciate it. So Kevin starts us off with a little story, telling us what he was up to over the weekend. Kevin said he was at the Sligo versus drop of the game and the pitch was horrendous in the showgrounds. So Kevin's question is, should teams in certain parts of the country, i.e. Sligo Rovers, Finn Harps, West of, I think he's picking on the West of Ireland and the Northwest, in fairness to you, Kev, uh, should, should teams in certain parts of the country be made to play on an all-weather pitch? Who wants to start off with that one, with that load right. of gun? I'll let, I'll let Barry, because he, he, he praised him earlier, so off you go. <laughs> Big umbrella is what we need. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think the season starting earlier might have caught a few teams out because it, it is basically the earliest the season started in a while, isn't it? They, they cut the, the off-season down. And there was three storms in a week, I think, the week before the season started as well. So you were, we were always fighting a losing battle there. And, and the West, obviously, is, is generally wetter anyway. So his suggestion is terrible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a disgrace. He should be banned from ever submitting another question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't feel too strongly about it. I know a lot of players really are not, not on board and they cost a fortune and you have to update them all the time. So we don't, we probably don't have the money and the infrastructure to actually do that all the time. You know, you, you hear the people in Dundalk are not happy about their pitch. So we, we could just end up with a load of clubs with that going on, you know, so be careful what you wish for, would be my advice. I think the idea of a big umbrella, it probably is cheaper, isn't it? Because that was my one. Yeah. It's like, like, the word, it, like, be made to play an all with a pitch. Like, you're going to get thrown out of the league and points of duck to be yeah. getting all with a pitch. Yeah, you can't make anybody do it. But I will say, uh, for me, I don't think you should be in this part, this late on to the season. Like, I, I like, you know, Roy, Barry, I live in Sligo. I, I, been to the showgrounds a lot, the pitch is shocking. It's mm. in complete bag order. And for me, there's no excuse to be this late on into the season. Is that a continuous thing, Nathan? Is that year on year? It's It generally does take a while for them. You'll see in the first couple of weeks, it'll be pretty bad. And then it, 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 they'll get it together, you know, whether that be with storms and weather. But if you look down the Cork City, you look to Loud, Dublin, like these climates aren't tropical climates either. You know, like and I do get it. The wet west is a real thing. It, it's constantly raining down here. Um, but other clubs in different parts of the country seem to get their, their act, act together uh, for the start of the season. And even Finn Harps, like, I was looking at the um, the highlight show, the LOI uh, TV highlight show, and the, the grass was, like, was even commented on how high it was. Like, that's going back to dinosaurs, you know, Stone Age sort of football, you know, letting the grass grow high to stifle the, the opposition playing any sort of football. So, yeah, I don't think there should be any excuse to be this late on to, into the season. We're having a pitch in such a bad condition the, the way Sligo do uh, and other clubs do. But uh, yeah, you definitely shouldn't have it be making any teams 
go through the expensive cost of, of putting no, down an all weather pitch. I don't because think you're not the answer either. I, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of all weather pitches either. Well, so. I don't think you can make anyone um, have a have a pitch um, unless you're going to fund it. So, and I'm, the FAI yeah. in the position they're in at the moment aren't going to be funding anyone there um, unless they the, the beg and bowl from the, the government is a big beg and bowl and it gets full. I would say first of all. The Astros, while great for it to be able to go out and train on, etc., they're not good for football matches. They take away the 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 normal bounce of a ball. They take away the, the normal pass of a ball. It's just it's not the same feel, and you can see that. You don't even have to be playing on it to, to know it. You can see that when you watch a game, it's not the same feel. Um, and yes, it probably can be an advantage sometime for the team who plays in it more so. Um, Derry City will probably maybe got that win against Shamrock Rovers because of it or maybe it was because of the dodgy back pass but that could have been part of it as well so you know, there is advantages and disadvantages to it and and you, there is a percentage a higher percentage of injuries on these pitches between twisting knees and etc so I've I, I don't think so I think if I was going to say anything I would say all teams should be made not have uh, these artificial grass pitches. I would say though that maybe clubs like Finn Harps, uh, Galway, Sligo, those ones on the west, maybe should think of a of a hybrid. And you see that a lot. You see that even in Croke Park where they have the plastic and the grass together, which kind of holds it together but keeps that element uh, of a, a pitch. Sort of, and then that's what Sligo probably do need if this is a, a reoccurring thing. So maybe the hybrid look is there, but again, it costs money, so um, it, it would be interesting. So maybe you just need to do a few more church collections down there, Nathan, and help out Sligo Rovers. Okay, um, the on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we are going to leave it there for the podcast. So everyone who has listened to the podcast, thanks very much. Um, and we'll be listening to it next week. If you want to see... Uh, the end of the show which will be with Barry and just discussing some of his his, uh, his work go on to the YouTube channel the Big Kickoff League of Ireland show and Google that in and you will find us there that's the end of you thanks very much and we'll talk to you next week